Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. So, Adam, the Broncos are opening Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings as 10.5-point underdogs. And Mile High Report's Joe Mahoney had a very fascinating statistic, which is why we're opening our show with it. Going back to 1980, Denver is 2-10 in any game, regular season and playoffs, where the Broncos come in as double-digit underdogs. Those two wins were Super Bowl 32 and a Monday night win in 1987 over the Raiders. So in our Slack channel, I obviously used the gif from Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance. There there is a chance. I would I would agree with that. That's exactly the the right gift to use because it was one in a million. Uh you know what I really like about that stat is that it's a a win against the hated Raiders, which is fantastic, phenomenal and I love it. Also in a year when the Broncos ended up going to the Super Bowl, which is surprising that they were a double digit dog and then went to the Super Bowl 1987. And then the other one is a Super Bowl win the first Super Bowl Super Bowl win in franchise history. So at least the two wins are 
memorable and uh, worth talking about, whereas uh, the 10 losses are, are certainly forgettable and not worth talking about. Uh, and then as far as you're saying there's a chance, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I don't know that uh, the chance is very large. We'll just say it's slim. I think slim is a good uh, a good word to use. Slim and I'll add one, none. And Slim may not be in town. I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked his checked his whereabouts on Find Friends or whatever. I think he's got an iPhone. I don't know. So it's a, you know it's an interesting stat. It's an interesting. Um, I, I would I would love to see. And Joe's really good at this, so maybe we should ask him to do it. Uh, I would love to see all of the other teams' stats. Like when they are a, a double digit dog, what is their record? I would guess that most teams, when they go into a game as a double digit dog don't win very often. That's seems like a pretty normal thing, right? I think it's also a, an, I don't want to say easy proclamation, but when you go in, when you're playing a team with a winning record with a team with a losing record, I'm guessing the odds aren't great that the team with a losing record usually wins because when my biggest complaint with, with John Fox over the course of his entire plop it out there and expect it to perform era. I like the way you did that. That was nice. Was he couldn't, he couldn't ever beat teams with a winning record. Yeah. He he struggled with that over the John Fox era. He beat teams with losing records and could never beat teams with a winning record. That was always my biggest complaint with John Fox. Aside from the fact that he just, he was fine it out there it, and yeah. expected to perform. Isn't winning the division enough? No, John, it's not. Uh, although right now I'd love a, div- I'd love to win the division right now. Right? It's funny how we've maybe come. A, I don't want to call it full circle, but we've maybe come around on that a little bit. You can't win anything else unless you win the division. Is maybe the thought there? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you win the games you're supposed to win, and and if you can win the games you're supposed to win, and then lose the games that you're not supposed to lose or win the games you're not supposed to win. That's a, that's a good sign. I don't know. It's an interesting stat. I, I, I think it's the more I think about it, the more it bounces around in my head, the more obvious it, it is. And I think the best part of that stat is the two wins, the, the win against the Raiders and the win against the Packers in the Super Bowl, and, you know, Monday night against the Raiders, double point, double digit dog victory. Fantastic. Gotta love that. And before we get into the news from Tuesday's practice, just so that we can clarify, the 1987 Broncos, that that double-digit win over the, the Raiders on Monday night, they played the Washington Redskins in the Super Bowl that January in San Diego. So Adams and my big bugaboo is, they say the 1988 Super Bowl, but it was really the 1987 Season, yeah, the season, Super Bowl. Yeah, it's weird. The, the NFL is weird, and this happens all the time when people do this. It's because they play the Super Bowl the next year, but it's really just a, like a few weeks later. It's it, it's not that big a deal. But I know, yeah, you're right. Someone was gonna tweet at us that we were wrong about that, and they probably still will, and that's fine too. I don't really care. So anyway, let's let's get into the the news for the Tuesday practice. 
So Drew Locke actually practiced. That's breaking news. Actually on the practice field. And if you're not on social media, basically every Broncos reporter who is at the UC Health Training Center was tweeting videos of Drew Locke stretching and warming up and throwing practice balls. But alas, it was no Dak Prescott warm up. Oh, yeah. The, those, I, I, what was he doing? I, I, I get it. That's his warm up, but I'm not sure what the, I've never seen any other quarterback do that. And it certainly didn't help him win the game at the end, I suppose. I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand that stretch. That, I feel like to me, like, because I'm more of a baseball player, I feel like to me, that's like if I went up to like practice my swing and I just, I just practice like one little, like just little hitch. Like it was just my hitch. I'm just practicing my hitch. Just like, I, I get it. Like, I'm sure it serves a purpose, but dude, you just look ridiculous. Do that shit in the tunnel. Well, I, what I loved about it is created a meme because we were able to see it with Shakira. Hips yeah. don't lie. I thought that was brilliant. That's pretty good. That's true. They, I mean, there were a lot of them. Did you see the, what was the other one? I saw the Rex Chapman one that he tweeted out. That was, uh, he was like dancing with different people. It wasn't Shakira. I, you do it to yourself sometimes, right? Anytime something like that happens to you, you generally have done it to yourself. But at least Drew Locke was practicing. So we're hopefully on the path to him playing in that next home game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I suppose the path really does start now, uh, but it has to start um, – there, there are some things that have to happen for Drew Locke to actually make the field, right? I mean, it's not like it's a lock that he's going to play for the Broncos this season, although I think we have decided, and after talking to Mace and, and Cecil uh, in the last couple of shows, that we probably are going to see him this year. But I, I don't know that it's a lock. There's there's some things that have to happen before he actually ends up, and yes, I am saying it on purpose, uh, there are some things that have to happen before he becomes the Broncos starter for the rest of the season. One of those things, and Troy Rick was the one who mentioned this, I believe it was on Monday, he thinks the Broncos have to get to eight losses before Drew Locke is on the field. And if that's the case, I will be pissed off because that is so short-sighted it is so short-sighted put him in against the chargers have him play five games five games is a it's better than two which is what has been reported over about the last week you're not going to make the playoffs you are not going to make the playoffs and this i i get that everyone is holding out hope that brandon allen is going to continue to do what he gets he did against the browns if you watch that Sunday night football game, Mike Zimmer and that defense are going to destroy Brandon Allen, mainly because Garrett Bulls is going to get destroyed, and that offensive line is going to get destroyed. The Cowboys' offensive line is one of the best in football, and Ezekiel Elliott didn't do nada. He did not eat. That's true. Zeke did not eat. Um, yeah, I, I think that... The hope is, and, and and here's here's what you're looking for, I think, as a Broncos fan, right? If you're in Broncos country, your, your hope is that the Broncos win. It is always that the Broncos win. Your hope is that Brandon Allen comes out and proves to be a, a, a solid game manager uh, who could uh, have a, a good role as a backup. The concern 
is that if he does do well enough that they win a couple of games and now you're in, in contention. And at what point when you're in contention, do you uh, pull the trigger on a, a rookie quarterback? And I, that's, that's the issue that you run into. So not that you're hoping for a loss, but you, you really are sort of, you have to be somewhat concerned that unless Brandon Allen comes out and throws for four touchdowns, 350 yards, no interceptions, and and just crushes the the Vikings, and then goes and does it again the next week. And unless he's he just turns into some sort of megastar overnight, you're really not hoping that he does well enough to get a win because it means you're never going to see Drew Locke. Not that you're hoping that the Broncos lose because you want them to win, but you almost want them to win in spite of the the actions of Brandon Allen or despite the problems that he has on the field because the most important thing that can happen for the Broncos moving forward for the rest of this season and I know that there're going to be people who kill us on this but the most important thing that can happen moving forward is seeing Drew Lock play football in the NFL for as many games as possible and two games is is not enough two games is a waste two games is pointless you need to have him out there for at least five games, and I, if if they don't do that, now now let's start let's start throwing some people under the bus. Now let's let's start you know going nuts about it because it's just incompetence in my opinion. I think the best way to to put it is realistic. You have to be realistic with your expectations. You can hope for a win. You can hope for Brandon Allen. But you have to be realistic with it. You're going on the road against one of the best teams in the National Football League. And that's what the Vikings are. The Vikings are clearly one of the best teams in the NFL. And they're going to have a legitimate shot to make a run in the NFC playoffs. Which I think is going to be fun to watch. Because the as we talked about on our podcast on Monday, the NFC is loaded with Stacked. very good teams. So you be realistic. You can hope for things. You can hope for Brandon Allen to play well and the Broncos to, to play well and more than likely pull a miracle on Sunday, which is going to be 11 a.m. Mountain Time. The, the Broncos don't play well in the early say, morning games. Mor- morning games are not their thing. But you have to be realistic with it. And to think that Brandon Allen is going to come in and somehow do something against a Mike Zimmer coach defense, given what they just did to the Cowboys. Yeah, it's a, I, I, I it's just, a fool's errand. Yeah, be realistic with it. And as both Cecil and Mace talked about on their on their two podcasts, they have to know what they have in Drew Locke. That is the most important thing remaining for the Broncos in the last seven games. Yeah, I, I mean, we've said it. We've said it more than enough times. I, th- I think that most people who listen to this podcast would agree with us. I think most people who are uh, tuning in on Sundays to watch the Denver Broncos agree with that statement. It is, the, it, it just is. That is what has to happen uh, going the rest of the way, is finding out what Drew Locke is or at least what his potential is. That's the other thing. Even in those five games, you're not going to know. There's nothing that you're going to know, but it at least points you in a direction. Two games doesn't point you in a direction. You can string a couple games together. This defense can 
pull things together for an offense. There's you need all of those variables to come into play, and so the more games you get, the more variables that are going to come into play, the more uh, clear the picture is going to become on what Drew Locke could possibly be in the NFL. This is not about finding out if he's your clear-cut starter for the rest of his career. This is about finding out if next year is worth making him the starter and seeing what happens. That's what this is about. And two games doesn't do that for you. It, it really just doesn't. So it has to be five games. I'm, I'm fine with a couple of games. Obviously, you got, you know, uh, injured reserve rules and when can you play after you started practicing and blah, 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 blah. But as many games as you can get with Drew Locke under center, that's what you have to do. So that being said, at least they've got him out practicing so that he will have the opportunity to play uh, if they make that decision. And I think, as you mentioned, what gives them a chance, and it's actually my key to the game, is the defense. And the best way to do that is make Kirk Cousins beat you. Make Kirk Cousins beat you. Because if Dalvin Cook goes off like he did against the Cowboys, it's going to be a long day. You're not going to beat the Vikings if Delvin Cook does what he's been doing this entire season, which is basically equaling Christian McCaffrey for the production that he's put forth. And as I don't rarely ever mention fantasy football, but as an owner of Delvin Cook, I've seen firsthand how good he's been. And to me, that's the only way you stand a shot at beating the Vikings is if you make Kirk Cousins beat you. That doesn't mean load the box. That doesn't mean that you bring in Kareem Jackson or Justin Simmons to do it. The front five has to do it. So Mike Purcell and Alexander Johnson, which coincidentally has been successful since both of them have become starters in slowing down the opposing team's running games, they're going to need a Herculean effort from both the Dino and Mike Purcell if they're going to have a puncher's chance on Sunday against the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, first of all, let me just say the fantasy football thing, that's my bit. So, you know, stepping on my toes. Anyway, no, I'm just, but uh, I, my key to the game is sort of the flip side of that. Not only does the defense have to contain Dalvin Cook, but then Royce Freeman and, and Philip Lindsay, and I don't, I, I probably should say those in reverse, but I didn't. They have to control the ball. Right? The Denver Broncos, if they want to win this game, they have to win the time of possession battle. Uh, and that doesn't mean giving up quick touchdowns to, to Dalvin Cook. It means that the offense is methodical. The offense is able to take time off the clock by driving the ball, uh, using the running game, and slowing the game down. And then the defense should have the opportunity to limit what Dalvin Cook does making it a, a possibility that they could win the game. I, I have to, again, I have to go back to this whole thing of uh, slim and none. I think as you and I sit here and we have this conversation, it's it's fairly obvious. It doesn't look like the Broncos are going to win this game. And and that's, that's just sort of the reality of it. Like you said, when we talk about the Broncos, we got to talk about the reality of things. They don't look like they have a chance at winning this game. But those two keys right there, I think those two things together, if they can do those two things, will obviously equal a victory for the Broncos on Sunday. It's it's a possibility. It's there. It's slim, but it's there. And I think the player that that, that ties into my player to watch. And 
it's Garrett Bowles because he's going a guy against an against a guy in Everson Griffin who has the potential to just completely wreck this game. Both, I mean that that whole defensive front for the Vikings has the potential to wreck this whole game. And then that that doesn't even consider their secondary. But Garrett Bowles against Everson Everson Griffin is going to be fascinating to watch because if if they want any sort of chance in this game, they're going to have to find a way to block that front for the Vikings, which the Dallas Cowboys couldn't do, and the Cowboys have one of the best lines in football. Yes, I, I, I notice you're doubling down on that. So just just eliminating any uh, any semblance of, of potential light creeping in, uh, just sort of call back there to light at the end of the tunnel. In this case, the light at the end of the tunnel is probably a train, whereas. Uh, in the way that we talked about it with Mace, it was it was more of a, a positive. Uh, I think your players to watch on offense are, are obviously uh, the guys I mentioned in, in Philip Lindsay and, and Royce Freeman, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and throw Brandon Allen in there as well. Uh, can he um, can he survive? <laughs> that might be the the question here, but also can he adjust? Can he uh, you know run the offense in an efficient manner? Is he going to have the ability? Is he going to have the time? If he doesn't have the time, is he mobile enough to extend plays? I think that was something that when Joe Flacco was the starting quarterback, he was not mobile enough to extend plays. He couldn't move outside the pocket. And Brandon Allen has more of that ability. Maybe that's the maybe that's the key right there for the offense is his ability to move the pocket, to to get away from uh, the, the rush. Although... It's not like Dak Prescott is a statue, so I'm not sure uh, if I'm not sure if that's really going to come to fruition either. So uh, I tripled up there. Sorry, running backs: Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay, and then the quarterback Brandon Allen are my offensive players to watch. Uh, on the defensive side, you already mentioned who I was going to talk about, and that's Mike Purcell. Uh, he's he's my player to watch, not just because he has to stop Dalvin Cook and has to be that force up up front in the middle, but also because he's had some costly penalties recently costly to his pocketbook but then costly on the field as well the the personal fouls that kind of stuff he's got to clean that up and I'm, I'm just curious if the amount of money he's spending giving it back to the league is going to perhaps calm some of that down with him and it, the I'm not I'm not going with a player here I'm going with Vic Fangio because he's going against a system that's somewhat similar to the one that Rich Scangarello has since Gary Kubiak is, I guess, a glorified offensive coordinator. I guess he's considered an offensive assistant for Stefanski with the Vikings. It's weird, right? Like the whole thing is weird, but whatever. Whatever they need to tell themselves. That So to me, it's what plan does Vic Fangio come up with for this game? And I'll even throw in Ed Donatel since he's the defensive coordinator. What do they come up with to take away the strength of the Vikings, which is obviously Delvin Cook? Because I think everything that the Vikings do is predicated off of the running game, similar to what Kubiak did with the Broncos in the mid-90s with Terrell Davis, where everything, especially in the second of the back-to-back Super Bowl years, was predicated on the running game. Everything set up through that running game. What does Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel do to contain Dalvin Cook? Because I don't think you're going to stop him. 
But what do you do to contain him? And the other thing to keep an eye on in terms of the Vikings offense is Adam Thielen. He's been out the last couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. If they get him back on top of Stefan Diggs, and now they're adding Kyle Rudolph to the equation as the receiving tight end who got two tight ends on Sunday against the Cowboys, that's just going to make it more difficult to stop this offense. But So that's why I think Vic Fangio is my let's say person to watch because <laughs> person, of the plan that he's going to watch. Yeah. I like that with the, the plan that he comes up with, because it, it's going to be, it's going to be a task because the skull fans are going to be out in force and they're going to be loud. And it's just, it's going to be a raucous building. And the other thing to keep an eye on or listen out for is former Broncos stadium announcer, Alan Roach is now oh, yeah. has been doing the Vikings stadium announcing. And if, you're an Avalanche fan. He does the Avalanche Arena announcing. So he still has ties to Colorado. He's still in Colorado, but he's now doing Vikings home games as the stadium announcer. That might feel a little weird, right? Especially for fans that maybe are traveling. Make them feel at home, perhaps. If you're going to the game in Minnesota uh, and you and you go to games in Denver, it might make you feel at home. That's always nice, right? Uh, all right. Uh, you want to do some predictions first or, or next? First. <laughs> Before we get into the predictions here uh, from the Broncos weekly release on the Vikings, here are a couple of things to watch for. Chris Harris Jr. needs one interception to join Mike Harden as the only Broncos player with multiple interceptions in eight consecutive seasons. Philip Lindsay needs 15 total TDs in 24 games. He has a total of 15 touchdowns in 24 games. He needs one to become the second undrafted running back to score 16 touchdowns within his first 25 games. The other was Arian Foster, who had 22. Wow. Von Miller needs one sack to pass Jim Jeffcoat into sole possession of 29th place on the NFL's all-time sack list. He currently has 102. That is Von Miller. Von Miller needs three sacks to pass Kevin Carter and former Broncos and Chiefs defensive end Neil Smith into sole possession of 27th place let me just, on the NFL's all-time sack list. Let me just interject here. Uh, Neil Smith's best years were in Denver. and I, You may continue. Without question. Cortland Sutton, who currently has 692 receiving yards and four touchdowns, needs one receiving touchdown and 13 receiving yards to eclipse his rookie season totals of 704 yards and four touchdowns. Defensive end Derek Wolf currently has five sacks, needs one sack to match his career high of six, which he set as a rookie in 2012. Wow. So if I'm going to have a player to watch on defense, I'll go with Derek Wolf because – Along with Mike Purcell, he's going to be a, a key to maintaining the edge against Delvin Cook in that running game for the Vikings. Absolutely. And he, he has been playing incredibly well the last few games. And so uh, I think you're right. I think he's definitely somebody to, to pay attention to when it comes to players. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction for the game. Uh, I've been sitting on it. I wrote it down. I like to do that. Uh, it, it's not pretty. I, I think that the um, the double-digit uh, – prediction probably holds i'm going 33 17 vikings and i'm going 34 10 vikings Ooh, not a lot of confidence 
right? Not, not a lot of confidence. The, there's hope, right? There's hope. We, we talked well, about all the things that could happen, and, and we hope that they win, but also realistically speaking, like you said, being realistic, yeah, I don't think so. Well, well the other thing that we haven't touched we haven't touched on is whenever we predict a Broncos loss, they usually win, and when we predict a Broncos win, they usually lose. So if this holds true to form, science, it's this science. is what's going to lead them to a win. Right. It's science. It's science. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, we're going to take a quick break and we will come back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about something Woody Page tweeted out uh, and wrote in an article. And then we'll do our wrap around the league. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back. Uh, we we teased a little bit of a uh, an interesting conversation. Woody Page wrote an article for the uh, the Gazette, which is uh, I believe the uh, newspaper in Colorado Springs, if I'm not mistaken. It is, and uh, it poses a question and. Not to sort of belittle what what Woody wrote, I'm a I'm a huge Woody Page fan. I, I've always enjoyed reading his stuff, but this is this is one that's just it feels very fluffy to me. Um, and it, it goes through sort of the accolades of Gary Kubiak, right? And it talks about Gary Kubiak in very glowing terms and all of his successes with Denver, and then uh, what he's been doing with Minnesota and how good things have been, and all these wonderful things, right? Uh, Which is why. Woody wrote the column. I mean, you talk about fluffy. I mean, the reason he wrote it is because the Broncos are playing the Vikings and because Gary Kubiak is with the Vikings. Right. So it, it all sort of fits. And uh, it, it's a nice article. It says good things about Gary Kubiak. But the, the premise of it, at least based on the title, and I don't I don't want to be a guy who just reads the title, so I did read through the article. Uh, you know, Kubiak shining again with Vikings should be in Denver Broncos ring of fame. Hold on. Let's just stop right there. So if that's the premise of the article and you've given me all these wonderful accolades, which I certainly can appreciate and enjoy, and I recognize that Kubiak has done a wonderful job in Minnesota as the offensive coordinator helper guy, advisor, is that what they're calling? I don't really know. Uh, what's What's funny about this is that the article mentions that Rick Dennison and Brian Periani are with Gary Kubiak again, and we often joked about, what the hell does Rick Dennison do? Now it's shifted to what the hell does Gary Kubiak do? Right. We don't we don't know what Gary Kubiak does. We do know what Rick Dennison does. He's the offensive line coach in, in Minnesota, which I guess maybe that's that's his calling because they're they've got a very good offensive line. But the end of the article gets to the the really the meat of it, right? This is the whole reason to write this article. 
Uh, and I'll just quote it here. Kubiak must be invited back to Denver someday soon for his induction into the Broncos ring of fame with Shanahan. And of course there's lots of conversation in there about Mike Shanahan and whatnot. And I, I don't really think that we need to get into a discussion about Gary Kubiak's, what do I want to say? His accomplishments. I think we can agree. Gary Kubiak was a, a great offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Gary Kubiak was my favorite backup quarterback in Denver Broncos history. Why not, right? Because if you got to have a favorite backup quarterback, why not Gary Kubiak? And he's one of two coaches to win Super Bowls for the Denver Broncos. Right, one of two coaches. So, okay. Uh, wonderful. This is, this is wonderful. Does he deserve to be he in the played a hand in the Broncos? He played a hand in all in, in the Broncos winning all three Super Bowls. Right. And I, I think we have acknowledged that we are we are Gary Kubiak fans. Can I say that with with some, you know, you know, understanding that he did some things before he left Denver that we are not fans of. That being said, we are fans of Gary Kubiak and that's fine. The question, should Gary Kubiak be in the ring of fame? And I said this to you a little bit ago before I started recording this segment. I think it's a resounding maybe. And absolutely, positively, 100% no, does Gary Kubiak go in the same year as Mike Shanahan. Thank you. That is a flat-out no. Mike Shanahan goes in by himself, just as Champ Bailey just did, just as Peyton Manning will do. Mike Shanahan goes in by himself, not with Gary Kubiak. And as I told you when you shared Woody's column with me, not before Steve Foley or Riley Odoms. Yeah, I, definitely I, not before Joe Collier. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. I, I think I think the 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 basic point here, and you might agree with us, you might not agree with us, and and. We certainly would respect anybody's opinion here, but the, the basic point is, while Gary Kubiak is is perhaps deserving, and I, I don't think we're saying he's not deserving, he's not deserving before a number of people, right? There is a there is a line that he needs to get in, as far as I'm concerned, and he doesn't get to bump up to the front of the line because uh, you want to have a feel good story with Shanahan and, and Kubiak going in at the same time. That's not a feel-good story. That's taking glory away from Mike Shanahan, who was a head coach that brought, that really brought the Broncos into this this sort of Super Bowl or bust era, right? Denver, the Denver Broncos have always been a great franchise, and Pat, especially when Pat Bowlen purchased them, and it was Super Bowl or bust. But then Mike Shanahan is the one that turned the franchise around and made it a Super Bowl contender, and made it what it is today. And so to sort of lump those two guys together, while it sounds nice, it really is doing make Mike Shanahan a disservice, I I think. And I don't think that's uh, Woody's intention here. I, I believe that he probably is uh, just writing an article to write an article. I think sometimes that happens. It's not a bad article, but it's, it's fluffy. And then at the end, it gets a little bit like, eh, come on, dude. The thing about the Broncos ring of fame is it's always going to be subjective because everyone's going to have a different opinion on who they think is, is most valuable to get in. I mean, one of the, there are two players that are very controversial 
who I think should both be in, and we've touched on one of them, and that's Lyle Alzado. I don't think the Orange Crush exists without Lyle Alzado, and I think it's beyond time the organization gets over this petty BS that they have had with Alzado for 40 years, given that he's dead now, and because he was a he was such a, an integral part of the community when he was here. You hear the stories about what he did for people in the Denver community as the face of the Denver Broncos. And then the other is DeMarcus Ware because the Broncos don't win Super Bowl 50 without DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, I DeMarcus Ware, you know how I feel about Lyle Alzado. I'm with you on that. And the DeMarcus Ware one, the, the thing that people may not understand about why we say that about DeMarcus Ware you have to, at least as far as uh, per rules, right, per whatever ring of fame rules there are, uh, you have to have been with the Denver Broncos for four seasons. And DeMarcus Ware was with the Denver Broncos for three seasons. I think a player like that gets a special dispensation. Uh, They definitely did that for John Lynch, who played four seasons with the Denver Broncos. Didn't really accomplish anything. He was great uh, as far as uh, a player who connected with the community. I think Broncos country loved John Lynch when he played for the Denver Broncos. I, I totally understand uh, fans who think that he is an all-time great Denver Bronco. That's fine if that's what you think. But he never really accomplished anything in Denver. And so if you're going to put John Lynch up there, you you have to put DeMarcus Ware up there. And if it requires the, the Ring of Fame group, I don't know what they call themselves. I can never remember getting together and saying, hey, we're going to, we're, we're going to put him in because he deserves to be in, then that's fine with me. And, and there's no reason not to. I, I think you're absolutely right about DeMarcus Ware. And then there are so many guys like Steve Foley and Riley Odoms who deserve a spot on the Ring of Fame, who left their mark on the Denver Broncos, who shouldn't be forgotten by, uh, by the fans and by the franchise. And sort of bumping Gary Kubiak up to the front of the line with Mike Shanahan is is – it's that's sort of beyond me to kind of, I can't, it can't go that far. Does Gary Kubiak deserve to be in the ring of fame? Again, like I said, maybe, maybe. And the thing that, that that stands out to me is it wouldn't be a topic that's being discussed unless the Broncos weren't playing the Vikings. If they weren't playing the Vikings, this wouldn't even be a topic that, that Woody would write about. Right. Exactly. And so, Woody wrote about it. We talked about it. He got some free publicity. Nice job, Woody. You got us. I don't know. Does Woody listen? I, I, I assume he does. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Let's let's wrap around the league. Let's let's move on here. Let's go ahead and jump into some some fun games that are supposed to, fun games. I, I mean, look at the schedule. Just look at the schedule. Is it, well, the rate in terms of the AFC West, the Raiders get an easy win over the hapless Bungles. I mean, if you need a defense and fantasy, pick up the Raiders because. The Bengals are horrible. And then the the interesting game is Monday night, Chiefs the Chargers, which is obviously going to be a Kansas City home game. But it'll be as we talked out as we touched on prior to recording, what Chargers team shows up for this game? I mean, talk about Jekyll and Hyde. These guys are who knows? They they've they've won games that they should have lost. They've lost games that they should have won. I, I, I mean up is down, left is right, red is blue. I don't know. It's craziness. So I, I, I won't predict a thing for that game, but I will say tune in and find out because you never you never know. That's, that's all I can think. And then obviously the Broncos play the Vikings. That sort of wraps up the AFC West. 
As far as games outside of the AFC West that are interesting, the the one that sticks out to me is one that uh, I think Broncos fans, if they were watching it, would be disappointed to have to watch, and it's the Texans at the Ravens because it's Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson, two quarterbacks that I think most people in Broncos country would love to have playing for the Broncos, and instead they're playing for, you know, two different franchises that seem to at least know what they're doing when it comes to quarterbacks. The other two games that I'm going to be paying attention to are the Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See how the Saints respond to that. I mean, they it, it that was, disappointing it was performance against the Falcons was was bad. And then how do the 49ers respond to that overtime loss to the Seahawks when they host the Cardinals? So those are – and then obviously you've got uh, the other – Sunday afternoon game is New England at Philadelphia. So that's obviously a rematch of what Super Bowl 51 or 52. Sure. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. It's too many. Either to way, it, what made it great was that the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Patriots. So what, what that should be an interesting game to watch and uh, might be I might tune in to see what Philadelphia's defense is able to do against that New England offense. Sure. Yeah. And then the Sunday night game, obviously it's a, it's bears and Rams. And so uh, two teams that were supposed to be contending for a super bowl this year, were going to be at the top of the NFC that are actually just sitting, you know, sort of down towards middle bottom of the NFC it might be a fun game to watch just because we'll see which, which bad team can emerge there. Uh, but yeah, the schedule itself, there's, there's a couple of good games, but nothing that really stands out that makes you want to go crazy. As I mentioned with, the Chargers hosting the Chiefs. It happens with the Rams too, it because does. we touched on the 49ers when they played the 49ers earlier this year. It was basically a 49ers home game, and I don't know if there's a team. Very few teams travel as well as well as the Bears, so there could be a lot of Chicago fans at the Coliseum for that game on Sunday night. So it will be. Uh, it won't be a good day for the LA the the LA local the local LA teams. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.